everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. As I said before, today we're kicking off our series called The Church at Philippi. And over the summer, over the next 10 weeks, we're going to be unpacking and looking at the book of Philippians. I love, I love this word. We believe that the Bible is the word of God. It is not just some really nice spiritual book that gives us great suggestions. We believe that God has breathed and inspired by his spirit these words, and he inspired men to write and to pen and to tell the story of not only his provision in a time gone by, but today, something that is powerful and effective today and for all time. The word of God is timeless. And so it is a great thing to not just, you know, one of the things that we have to be cautious of in, when it comes to studying the word of God is proof texting, is just having a certain set of presuppositions or opinions that have maybe been just shaped by our own selves or the culture we live in and then taking some scripture somewhere in the Bible that sounds like it could work and just trying to make it fit our opinion rather than allowing the word of God to interpret itself and shape us. And so as we look in this scripture, as we look in the book, whether you're, we're doing it within this series or whether you're just reading the scripture on your own, I want to encourage you. Allow the word of God to shape you. Don't try to shape the word of God. Don't try to superimpose your opinions and your preferences. I, it, it's hard because all of us come with a lens. But I want to encourage us as we read God's word and as you approach God's word, whether it be in this setting or in other settings, just to place all of your presuppositions on the ground and say, Holy Spirit, speak. Help me to understand this scripture. So we're going, I want to give you a little bit of historical context about the book of Philippians. First of all, Philippians is a letter. It was written by the Apostle Paul or St. Paul, whatever you're familiar with, in terms of his title. And I am so thankful for the Apostle Paul who, quite frankly, we could do a whole series just on his life. This was a man who was a... Uh, he was a Jew's Jew. He had been. He had studied. He was intelligent. He was uh, learned. He had memorized the law. He knew it backwards and forwards. And he had persecuted Christians. He was so zealous in terms of what he believed that he was would partake in in the uh, pr- persecution of those that were following Jesus and following the way. And in a, an incredible encounter, Jesus apprehended him. And he was cut to the heart and he was transformed and he received the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he was compelled as a result of receiving this grace to go and share it. And so he writes this letter to this church, this this young community that's growing in the Roman colony of Philippi. Now, there, are, there is some debate. Some people debate exactly where the location was when he wrote this letter. Caesarea, Ephesus, and Rome have been kind of the three main or commonly proposed locations. Now, though we don't know the exact 
location based upon the information within the scriptures and the mentions that he makes in the book. Many scholars, most scholars believe that he was writing from Rome. However, though we're not completely sure exactly where, we do know that he is writing this letter while being imprisoned. He is writing this letter that when you read the text of it, as we will go into shortly and over the next 10 weeks, and you see the joy and you see the life and you see the excitement You would think that he may have been writing it under better circumstances, but he's actually writing it while he's being incarcerated. And the primary theme of Philippians, ironically, is encouragement. It's joy. Paul wants to encourage this community to live as citizens of heaven, to live beyond the here and now to live and walk in a joy and a life that cannot be contained by the trappings of this world. How many of you know that if you are in Christ, you are a citizen of heaven? You are a citizen of heaven. We are immigrants here, not just because of our ancestry, our genealogy, or, you know, you go on you know, Ancestry.com. No, because of our heavenly ancestry, because of our heavenly bloodline, we are citizens of a place that is not yet here and yet called to bring heaven to earth. And so he's challenging them in this way. So I want to read Philippians to you. This morning I'm going to read, I usually read from the ESV, but I love the way that the Passion Translation communicates this. So We're going to focus this morning on Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to begin here. We'll have this on the screens for you. From Paul and Timothy, both of us servants of Jesus, the anointed one, to all his devoted followers in Philippi, including your pastors and to all the servant leaders of the church, may the blessings of divine grace and supernatural peace that flow from God our wonderful Father and our Messiah, the Lord Jesus, be upon your lives. My prayer for you, are, my prayers for you are full of praise to God as I give him thanks for you with great joy. I'm so grateful for our union and our enduring partnership that began the first time I presented to you the gospel. I pray with great faith for you because I am fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's no wonder I pray with such confidence since you have a permanent place in my heart. You have remained partners with me in the wonderful grace of God even though I'm here in chains for standing up for the truth of the gospel. Only God knows how much I dearly love you with the tender affection of Jesus, the anointed one. I continue to pray for your love to grow and increase beyond measure, bringing you into the rich revelation of spiritual insight in all things. This will enable you to choose the most excellent way of all, becoming pure and without offense, until the unveiling of Christ, and you will be filled completely with the fruits of righteousness that are found in Jesus, the anointed one, bringing great praise and glory to God. Let's pray. Gracious Father, I thank you this morning that because of your great love, because of your overwhelming generosity, 
this grace, this good news has been passed from transformed life to transformed life, from generations to generations, and that we, because of your love, get to receive it and be reminded of it and share in it today. Lord, I ask that whether we have been walking with you or whether we've been far from you, that wherever we find ourselves today, that you would help us to receive your goodness, to receive your grace, and to respond and react accordingly. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Caleb. An amazing reception compels a joyous reaction. An amazing reception compels a joyous reaction. Now, for those of you, how many football fans do we have in here? We have any football fans, high school, football, high school, college, uh, pro football. You know, if you ever want to, you can go on ESPN, you can go on YouTube, and all you have to do is put in amazing catches, and you can go down a long, endless rabbit hole of highlights. You know, I think of some of the great receptions that have happened throughout history. I remember one of my favorite receptions that I witnessed with my own eyes was uh, Kelly for a birthday present. It was a great birthday present, by the way. It was our first, uh, we had been within our first year of marriage, and uh, Kelly surprised me by getting me, there was a, uh, we were coming to Indianapolis for Thanksgiving, and she got me Monday night football tickets to see the Colts play the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, and we got to go at the old Hoosier Dome, or the RCA Dome, God rest his soul, and uh, it was an amazing game. We had great seats, and the very first play of the game Peyton Manning does a play-action pass, fakes the defense, and throws a long touchdown pass to Marvin Harrison. I mean, it was amazing. It was an incredible moment. You know, when I think of some of the uh, great catches recently, you think of uh, Odell Beckham Jr. He is famous for a lot of the one-hand catches that he's made, or even the great catch that happened during the playoffs last year with Minnesota, where they're down, there's seconds to go, and they have this miraculous catch right at the end of the game. But there's something about the the thing that is consistent is when there is an amazing reception, it is usually respond. It is there is a huge reaction. You see phones going everywhere. It's amazing now. Like now, you, you watch it and you can just see when you see the highlights. You just see everybody's phones going like this. They can't look at it with their own eyes. They've got to put up their second lens. Uh, or their third, depending on if they wear glasses. Uh, but there's something about it that makes it amazing. What contributes to it be amazing? Usually the stakes are high. A lot of times if it's going to be a great, memorable reception, the opposing team is up. Many times the window to receive it is small. The window is small. And it typically, some of the best amazing catches, it's the long ball. It covers a great long distance. But when it happens, the whole place erupts. It's an amazing reaction. Now, there's another kind of reception as well. How many of you got up early to watch Harry and Meghan get married? Anybody? Anybody watch the, the, the royal wedding? I see that hand. I see that hand. I know some of you because I saw it on your timeline, on your feed. Uh, but, you know, the royal family, there's a new addition in the royal family. Harry, come on. So we got shouts for it. Yes, Lord. Ha-ha. You know, for those of you who watched it, you knew it was like they had church at the wedding. 
I mean, because, you know, for the first time, we have not only uh, an American young woman, but a woman of color, hallelujah, that came into the castle. Colors in the castle, hallelujah. That's not my sermon today, but it might be coming soon. Um, But uh, it was an amazing time. But the thing, you know, they got lots of pictures, but couldn't really see the reception. The reception was a little bit smaller. You know, they had only 200 people get in, you know, but I love the spirit behind a reception. When you think of a reception at a wedding, you know, it's really to do a couple things. You know, to receive a reception, the definition of reception is the art or the act of receiving something that was sent or given. And so when, when you have a wedding reception, it's kind of twofold. Both it is the family and friends receiving the newlywed couple but it's also the newlywed couple coming and receiving the love and affection of their family and friends in the form of celebration and money and gifts. You know, you know, it's like when you, when you are a married couple, we're just going to be honest for a second. When you get married and you get the gifts, you start going through the gifts, you like a lot more envelopes than boxes. You just do. You're like, you just start kind of looking through it, especially when you get ready to go on that honeymoon, and, and you're the husband, you're like, man, I don't even know how we're going to pay for this thing anyway. So, uh, and you start going through it, and you're like, George Foreman Grill, George Foreman Grill, money. George Foreman Grill, just want money, you know. So, but you receive, there's a reception that happens, and, but the ones that are lit, you remember, right? Y'all with me? Are we awake this morning? Anybody been to a great reception, like a great reception, you know, where you remember it? You know, sometimes you don't remember it because you got too lit, like you got too free, you know. But we had, Kelly and I had an awesome reception. I want to show you a couple clips from our reception. Can we throw some pictures up there from our reception? I know they're back there. Boom, 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 boom. We're going to find those pictures. So first of all, just to give you a little context for why our reception was so lit, Kelly and I met each other on a hip-hop dance team. So first of all, I know, don't be shocked. Don't be shocked. Um, we met each other. We were on this dance team together. And so pr- first of all, all of our dance team members were there. Then second of all, if you know my family, if you know the Owens family, they were all there, and it was just, we had, just to give you some context for the kinds of people that we are anticipating, our, our gifts to our, uh, my, my groomsmen were headbands and wristbands, because we knew we were going to get down, and Kelly and I both had a pair of shoes, a pair of tennis shoes that we were going to slip into, and I had a chain that went around my neck, because we were getting ready to throw down and have some dance battles at our reception. All right, do we have that picture for the reception? The first one. Gonna wait for it. It's coming, I believe it. It's not coming at all? Okay, keep talking. All right, so we'll come back to it. Bottom line, it was amazing. It was live. I remember Kelly and I, people were dancing. Now, I knew, I'm thankful, you know, I've been asked by different friends of mine to help DJ at their weddings. And after I did a couple of them that were really uh, boring, I came to the conclusion that I will only help DJ at your wedding either. And y'all don't judge me now. I was like, you either have to have an open bar or you have to have the right ratio of non-white friends. Like, because I learned after I did so many receptions, I remember doing one. It was just like, there was like, 
there were only brown people in there was myself and the people serving the food. I looked around, and, and there was nobody dancing on the dance floor. And one of the aunties came up to me and goes, oh, you should dance. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not that guy today. I'm not, I'm not that guy. So, so I just started to learn things. But the thing that was so amazing about our reception is that people really came to get down. They came to share in the celebration. And Kelly and I, we were thanking people and going around. And then we looked on the dance floor, and our, de- our DJ was live, and people were partying without us. And we were like, wait, we got to stop this. We got to go get in this celebration. And I, when I tell you, it was like we were, there were so many ugly dance faces. Like, you know, the, you know where it's like you look like you're about to drop something and it's not going to be hot. You know, it's like all the crazy dance faces, sweat, the kind that you don't like, you don't, you're not necessarily going to post, you know, because you can't like edit out the sweat face. Uh, it was amazing. Do we have them? But I mean. Just pause for a moment. Just pause for a moment. I mean, look at, first of all, look at that fine bride of mine. I just, just, celebrate, just celebrate her, and I just celebrate the hair that was still on my head. It was a beautiful thing for a moment. Thank you. Don't clap that much for the hair. Don't clap that much. All right, we go to the next page. I mean, look at that dance face. Look at that dance face. You couldn't tell me I wasn't getting down. You know what I'm saying? I mean, now, now pause for a moment. That young, fresh face is my brother Ephraim, who led worship here. This is my sis right here. You see those eyes, those baby eyes? That's, that's my brother David right there. Liz David. I mean, it was crunk. It was, just, it was just crowded. People were like, there were some people, even when we look at these pictures, we're like, Kelly, do you know who that person is? I don't even. I think they just came from the neighborhood. They saw the party was lit. They showed up. We can go to the next one. Kelly, we're getting down again. Go to the next one. All right, now this is, this is a little bit, this is like a section of the reception. There wasn't a whole lot of breathing room. Now, I want to leave that one for a second. So while we were getting down, I remember Kelly's dad, one of the waitresses, one of the ladies that was helping and serving things, she walks up because we didn't have have any alcohol served uh, at the wedding, and uh, she came up to him, and she goes, wait, none of these people are drinking? And he's like, no, they just go to the same church. She goes, what church do they go to? It was so crunk. All right, go to the next one. Oh, yeah. We're just getting down. There's my man, Admiral Ramirez, my buddy, Kevin. It's just a crazy crew. Next, next picture, next picture. There we go. There's old baby face David right there, baby. Woo! Y'all, you couldn't, I mean, he was getting that dirt all the way off his shoulder. I mean, there was like, he, he was working it. You see that dance face is legendary. It's legendary. Now he, now, now I want you to see, so, so that's him right there. Now let's go to the next picture. Now, Oh, there's Isaiah right there, Isaiah. Look at that fresh-faced little baby. So this is at a different wedding. He wasn't at our wedding that old, okay? That's not part of our testimony. Just letting you know. Like, ooh, pastor got a little dark secret. Well, no, that's not my secret. I got others. Lord's working on it, but no. So this is at a different reception. And look, my man was doing the whip in the nay-nay before there was the whip in the nay-nay. You see that? Ah, right there, right there. And now go to the next picture. And there's Zaire right there at David's wedding. So David was the same age at my wedding as Isaiah was at his wedding. And, of course, you can see Kelly and I in the back exhausted with the other children that God has added to us in the years. So just give the Lord praise for a party and for a reception. You can take that picture off, although I do like seeing Isaiah go. You know, I show those and I think about that because it's just... 
when you receive, when you have a joyous, when you have an amazing reception, when you have an amazing reception, it compels a joyous reaction. When you receive something, when you receive something and you fully receive it, when you understand what this exchange means, you can't help but be compelled to respond with joy. If you ever received an amazing gift, if you've ever received an amazing, you know, present or something that you were not even expecting, it, you are compelled to move. Even if it's just receiving, you know, going to a show, to a, to a musical, to a play, or, or, or witnessing something, and you take it in, and it moves you, and it stirs you. I remember when uh, I saw, you know, not just the musical and the live show, but even when I went and saw the movie Lame Is, you know, and sitting there with Kelly, and it just, oh, it just compelled me to be moved, and, and knowing the story of Lame Is, and when you receive something, and you truly receive it, it compels you to, compels a joyous reaction. And we see this joy and this love and this exchange taking place in Philippians. You see, Paul was not just writing to any random group. Paul was writing and he was, and you pick this up within his writings, but particularly through the beginning of this, is this church, this community has a special place in Paul's heart. There's been an exchange of grace and love. There's been an exchange of life that's taken place. And we hear it in his tone and in his writing. And we don't want to miss it because it's not just because they're friends. It's not just because circumstances are great. Again, he's writing from prison. It's because they have shared in something that is so powerful and so rich and so worth it. So he begins the book of Philippians with a very common kind of Pauline introduction, a greeting. He says in verse 1, from Paul and Timothy, both of us servants of Jesus, the anointed one, to all his devoted followers in Philippi, including your pastors, and to all the servant leaders of the church, may the blessings of divine grace and supernatural peace that flow from God, our wonderful Father, and our Messiah, the Lord Jesus, be upon your lives. He's speaking blessing and greeting. You know, when I think of the people that have helped contribute to the birth of this community, City of Lights, my heart's moved. Next week, uh, we have the Joy Kelly and, and our family. We're going to get in the car, pray for us. We're going to drive 15 hours to Boston. And we're going to go and we're, gonna, we're going to do some different historical tours. But one of the things I'm excited about is we get to go to our Every Nation Church, Aletheia. I'm going to be leading worship there next weekend. And we get to thank them and send them love for all that they've sown into our church. The pastor there, Pastor Adam Avery, he sits on our oversight board for City of Lights. He was one of the very first people that, that affirmed what God was going to do here in the city. And not only did they affirm it, but they sowed seed. They were one of the first contributors to our, uh, to our launch campaign. And so when I get to go there, it's very much we interact as he's been writing me and, and we text each other and he's looking at what God is doing and he's hearing the testimonies and he's watching the baptism video. Our interaction is very similar to this relationship that you see between Paul and the leaders and, and, and the community here in Philippi. It's this shared joy, this shared excitement because, because of what God is doing. The church at Philippi, it has specific significance to Paul because it was the first church that he founded in Europe. 
there was a season as he began to reach out and begin to take the gospel. As, as he was heading in one direction, the Holy Spirit redirected him and said, no, it's not time to come here yet. And so he was redirected to Europe, and he began to go into this area. You can find it in Acts chapter 16 where he goes and he begins to evangelize and begins to reach out. And the first convert in Philippi was a lady by the name of Lydia. You see this story again, like I said, in Acts 16, which I would encourage you to read for yourselves. Lydia, she was a businesswoman. The scripture says she was a seller of purple goods. Now, when you read that at first glance, you could think like she's just some weird eccentric lady that you would see on like a short Facebook video, you know, like the pink lady who everything she has is pink, her dog's pink, her clothes are pink, her house is pink, and you're like, oh, a lady of purple goods, I don't even know what to do with this. But actually at the time, this was actually quite a incredible position because purple was considered a very expensive dye and and purple goods were considered many times only reserved for high dignitaries and royalty. And so this is a high level female businesswoman who is handling business. Shout out to all the single ladies handling their business, contributing to the kingdom. All right, just a shout out. So this is the first con- convert that, that helps to build this community. Also, what you will see is one of the greatest, one of my favorite stories and one of my favorite encounters in Scripture is here while Paul and Silas are in Philippi and they're engaging and they're reaching people. We see that uh, there's a, when, you, when you read back in Acts 16, there's an encounter where they helped set a, there was a young girl who was oppressed by an evil spirit that was allowing her to tell fortunes and she got free. They, she got delivered. She got set free of this spirit. And the people that were making money off of her got mad, so they went and lied on Paul and Silas, and they get thrown in prison. While they're in prison, through an amazing series of events, Paul remembers, hey, I might be in prison, but I'm not a prisoner. And he begins to sing and worship in God while in the midst of the jail cell. And it says that at about midnight, not only did their their chains fell off, but everyone in the prison was set free. From the praise of the few came the release of the many. And one of the people that was in there was the jailer who was freaking out because the penalty, if you lost your prisoner, was death. So he's freaking out. He's like, man, what am I going to do? All these people have escaped. Paul, he hasn't gone anywhere because he wasn't finished with his assignment. And Paul comes to the, prison, to, the, to the jailer himself. And not only does the jailer get saved, but it says his whole household came to the gospel. And so that's a pretty good start to a church plan. You know, if you got to start someplace... You know, those are some pretty great accounts that you start with. You know, you got the fire businesswoman, Lydia, handling business, and then you got the jailer who's just setting the captives free. It's an amazing thing. And so this people was very close and dear to Paul's heart. And so we see this interaction where he says particularly in verse verse 3, my prayers for you are full of praise to God as I give him thanks for you with great joy. I'm so grateful for our union and our enduring partnership that began the first time I presented to you the gospel. He's thinking about those first times, those first days when they began to fellowship and they were first discovering the greatness and the richness of the love of God. Can you imagine being that jailer who had imprisoned and had beaten and had tortured so many, and now you've received the forgiveness of your sin. You've, re- you've received redemption. You've, re- you've been made whole. You've received the grace and the loving kindness of God. You know, I'm, I'm, I can't help but think about there's a, a church 
in Bloomfield, Indiana, that we have been uh, contributing and sowing into their church plant uh, through Multiply Indiana. And the pastor, the teaching pastor of that church, was incarcerated in the prison that's right there. And the very guy that arrested him and sent him into prison is now in his church on his eldership team. It's amazing what God does when we receive him fully. He says, I am fully convinced, in verse 6, that the one who began this glorious work in you will be faithful, will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has begun a good work in you. When we receive him, You've heard us talk about this, about sanctification, about the process of becoming more like Jesus. As we receive him, he is daily making us more and more like him. He's not finished with us. As we continue to trust him, he's going to continue working in our lives. And Paul is excited because he knows, based on what he's seen and based on what they've experienced together, that it's going to continue to happen as they pursue him. Now he says, it is no wonder in verse 7, I pray with such confidence since you have a permanent place in my heart. You have remained partners with me in the wondrous grace of God, even though I am here in chains for standing up for the truth of the gospel. Only God knows how much I dearly love you with the tender affection of Jesus, the anointed one. Now in verse 7, I love how it says, you have remained partners with me in this wonderful grace of God. In the ESV translation, it exchanges the word partners and it replaces it with the word partake. To partake in this wondrous grace of God. This reception, this thing that they have received, it's not just a great attitude. It's not just a really cool pen pal. It is the great grace of God that they didn't just partner in, they partook of it. Everybody say partake. Partake. It's, I love the word partake because it has a different connotation with it, right? I was telling our team this earlier, but I had the opportunity to partake in some wonderful blessing that is called Patties of Jamaica here in Indianapolis recently. See, I see a hand go up right there, Jason. I see that hand. Patties of Jamaica is a restaurant. It is an authentic Jamaican restaurant. It is a small hole in the wall. It is barely bigger than some of the restrooms here at the Y. And we had a gathering with some of our city, uh, city group, uh, my city group, Kelly city group. We were hanging out, and I overheard uh, Megan, uh, not Megan, Morgan Joyner talking to us, and she was talking to somebody about Patties of Jamaica. Now, I spent, we spent about 11 years in Florida, and so while we were down there, we had several people that were in our church that were from Jamaica, and one of these ladies, particularly one of my dear friends, Leticia, she would make, she knew that I didn't get to go home. I was a student at the time, and so I'd get up at 6.30 a.m., go to class, and I'd come to the office, and I'd work, and on this night particularly, I'd go have worship rehearsal till 10. So I didn't always have time to go home and eat, and so every once in a while, she would make dinner, and she'd bring me She'd always make me some great Jamaican food, and particularly she'd make these Jamaican patties. So as soon as I heard it, I was like, I need to go and partake. So on Tuesday, after I'd heard this wonderful exhortation by Morgan, 
uh, I was hungry, and so I'm like, I want to go hunt this place down. So I went, I found it, this amazing Chinese Jamaican dude named Stefan. He's working there, and my man, I mean, he is just as authentic as it comes. It throws you off at first because it's totally like Chinese-looking dude comes out. He's like, hey, what's up, my friend? My friend, what can I get you, man? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I love you. It's amazing. So I ate this food. I got these Jamaican beef patties. I got the curry chicken and the rice and peas. I got just the Jamaican hospitality, and I partook. But I received it. A, an amazing reception compels a joyous reaction. And so it was only a couple of days later where I had my man Zach Clemens with me, and we were partaking together in the glory that was the patties of Jamaica. There's something different about partaking. Partaking is a rich thing that we get to do. What is this grace that they were partaking in? I love there's a, there's a translation that says grace, particularly that which causes joy and pleasure and gratification, favor, acceptance. It's a kindness granted. It's a benefit. It's a thanks. It's a favor done without expectation of return. It's absolutely free. It is the loving kindness of God to men finding its only motive in the bounty and the benevolence of God. It's unearned. It's the unmerited favor. This grace is amazing. It's a forgiveness when you don't deserve to be forgiven. It's love when you feel unlovable. It's hope when you are hopeless. And it's not just a nebulous thing. Grace, the grace of God is a person. It's Jesus. And so we get to receive, we get all of these things because when we receive Jesus and all that he is, we get all the love and all the joy and all the peace and all the favor and all the hope, not because of what we've done, but because of who he is. And so they rejoice because we, not just he, not just you, we partake in the great grace of God. And he recognizes that when we receive when we fully partake in this grace, that there's something that takes place. He says, I continue to pray for your love to grow and increase beyond measure, bringing you into the rich revelation of spiritual insight in all things. This will enable you to choose the most excellent way of all, becoming pure and without offense until the unveiling of Christ. And you will be filled completely with the fruits of righteousness that are found in Jesus, the anointed one, bringing great praise and glory to God. What is he saying? When you partake, you will be filled. When you truly receive the grace of God, you will be filled with joy. You will be filled with the love and the revelation of Jesus. And in doing so now, as you are filled with him, you are able to discern between him and the lie. You are able to discern between what is real love and what's a phony counterfeit. Why? Because I'm filled with the real deal. Now, our reaction is not just, yay, that's awesome. But our reaction is a joy that must be shared. Whenever you think of a patron of a restaurant, you know, restaurants appreciate your patronage. Or you think of a patron of the arts. You know, when I go to Clues Memorial Hall or when I go to some great performing arts center, often you will see names or plaques 
of patrons. And what does that mean? They were people who were impacted, who had a love and were filled with a love and joy because of the arts, and they want to help that love be transferred to the next generation. And so they give, they endow great amounts of money so that other people can participate and experience this joy. You see this a lot whenever PBS does a big fundraiser, right? It's like, if you want to see Straight Note Chaser free on PBS, give this amount of money and we'll send you a free CD. Yep, still CDs because it's PBS. But you're a patron. What is a patron? A patron is someone who has received, they've been affected, and they are compelled to share it with others. God has called us to be patrons of grace, patrons of his love, patrons of his joy, patrons of the good news that it doesn't matter how far you are. It doesn't matter how long the odds are. It doesn't matter how short your window. It doesn't matter how far up the opposition is. That God so loved the world that he sent his son to be received so that those who receive him, those who repent, who turn from their ways, can receive everlasting life. Not just for themselves, but to be able to share in this great gospel, to share in the richness of his grace, to share in the richness of a family of God, to share in the richness of his love. That's what we get to be a part of. Over the course of this series, I'm excited to dive into more and more of what this grace is and how it ought to play out in our lives. And I want to encourage you. We are here not just to have a moment each week and to fill up however many chairs we can. But we are here to not only receive, but to be patrons of the gospel in this city. I want to encourage you, invite somebody. Share this goodness with people. We're, we've got an amazing thing we're about to announce. I'm super hyped about it. I want to encourage you, invite people. Invite people to come to the events. Invite people to come to the trainings. Invite people to come and partake of his goodness and his faithfulness. And let us share in that joy. I pray that people would come and they would experience God in such a way like those people that were at my reception. Where they would say, wait a second. What is going on with these folks? Is there not an open bar? Not yet. Not at our church. Not in Indiana. You know, maybe in Seattle. But they would say, what is it about these people that have this joy? I know that dude just lost his job. I know, because I fired him. No, I'm just saying, that would be awkward. But it would be a great story. <laughs> but just say, I know what they're going through. How is it they got so much joy? That's the kind of joy that God can work in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our church. I thank you for what you're doing in us as among a people. And Lord, I ask that by your grace that you would help us to receive you. Lord, that you would help us to be affected by you that you would help us to be forever changed by you. And Lord, help us not just to receive you, but to be so filled with your love, so filled with hope, so filled with joy that we are compelled to share it with others, Lord God. Lord, I pray against a spirit of fear that would silence our mouths from, in, from sharing your love and sharing your truth to others. Lord, I pray for a fresh spirit of boldness to come upon each of us, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you would help us to get over, and honestly, that you would help us to repent of being embarrassed of you. 
Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a repent, that we would repent of an area that would cause us to be ashamed of this gospel. But Lord, that we would walk in boldness and love, extending your truth to others. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give him praise this morning. Hallelujah! Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.